Hey, Dano, how are you? Now, listen, before we go any further, thank you so much for your feedback from Debbie Flood last month. Indeed, more feedback from Cyril Regis from two months before. Thanks for all your downloads. Thanks for passing on this podcast. Much appreciated. So here I am. I'm in a hotel room. It's 5.30 a.m. in the morning. And guess where we are? We're in rugby of all places. And I'll tell you why of all places. Because this month's podcast is with Garin Jenkins, Welsh hooker, 59 caps between 91 and 2000, played in six Six Nations, three Rugby World Cups, Captain Swansea, Major Honours. As you listen to today's podcast, listen out for a few things. He's interesting on poor discipline and the consequences of ill-discipline in his professional career. And yet at the same time, you'll hear him talk about the importance of grasping what's going on now and enjoying the moment as a professional athlete. You'll hear him talk about how his Christian faith has formed and shaped his learning as a professional athlete. And listen for the moment when he describes how he found out he was going to get his first Welsh cap. It's outrageous. Good. Let's go. Garen Jenkins. Christians and Sport podcast with Graham Daniels. When you were first chosen for Wales, 1991, your first test, Six Nations, you found out when you were digging a trench in Pontypridd Park. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, how does that happen? Well, I was working for the local council subcontracting and we were putting a water main in um, for an old age people's centre in Pontypridd Park, in Henderson Arad Park. So it was a Friday, so I was in the trench. I wouldn't say I was doing much digging. It was a Friday afternoon, so I was conserving a bit of energy. So I'd, I'd previously been uh, a replacement a year before, so I, I really thought that my chance had come and gone. I'd, uh, I'd trained hard, a little bit lost really in life. I was, uh, you know, when I was first called to, to, to be on the bench. So I was quite elated really to get that news on a, on a, on a Friday really in, in Pontypridd. So How did you get it? No, I was just hearing it uh, on the radio, you know. You heard on the yeah, radio? You heard it on the radio. It had rumours. There was always rumours. Yeah. But then to, to hear it officially on the radio was wonderful, you know. And um, What did you do? So oh, I was quite uh, chuffed, really. Went home and uh, just 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 finished up work on a Friday, and and thought that was brilliant, you know. Just be, you know, like sort of lifetime or boyhood yeah. ambition. Or oh, Gary, but take, take us no, serious now. Yeah. Take us back now, because you say that you know, fifty nine tests later, isn't it? But you're you're twenty four, twenty five now. You know, you're not a kid yet. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know you thought your chance had passed you by. Yeah, well, I never came through. I didn't know. I'd been never came through the system. That now players come through the system. So it was it was a great feeling for me to think, wow. And that's that's all you dreamt of in the sort of oh, play for Wales. You know, get a tidy job because my jobs up until then had been sort of very sort of you know not really secure. And really, you know, if I, I, I brought it down, really, my passion really was only for playing rugby. And, you know, when that when that arrives, then you, you really think that you've made it, don't you? So it was it was great when, when I really thought that, because in that period of being on the bench in 1990, I was playing hard, training hard and socialising, you know, pr- pretty tough as well. And in that period, I remember on one sort of, you know, 
I, I say it regrettably, I, I, I got stopped for drinking and driving uh, on my way back from a, a training session with Pontypool. So in between being a replacement and getting my first selection for Wales, I lost my licence. So I was a little bit lost, really, to be perfectly honest. It was rugby, really, uh, that, you know, that I kept working hard at because, really, that was my biggest passion. One of the things in your greatness, if you like, with 59 caps at Swansea leadership, beating Australia, scoring a try, beating the world champions as a club player for Swansea. But here's the thing. If you say Garen Jenkins to somebody of that era, there is something about the hard man, the disciplinary side, the bands yeah. as a young man. Tell me about the battle uh, of discipline that you had to fight with. Yeah. Uh, you got in trouble, didn't you? Oh, you got in a lot of trouble. Well, I think a I lot got, of trouble. You know, I think as uh, the great referee, Clive Nolan, keeps reminding me, you know, that I was the first man in British rugby to go in the sin bin three times. Uh, one of seven players, I think, in the history of Welsh rugby to be sent off. <laughs> it's quite funny, really. And um, sometimes, well, uh, the world keeps chucking about past and maybe rightly so. I remember a couple of years ago, my daughter was young and it was during the World Cup and coming home and saying, oh, Dad, Dad, you know, because probably didn't remember me playing that much. He was in the rugby world, I sort of chest out. Uh, I thought, oh, must be, must have made it sort of thing. And uh, she said, yeah, you're in the rugby world, you're one of seven players to be sent off. <laughs> one of the sinful seven, so... Was it know, sinful no, seven? No, something like that, you know, something sort of uh, uh, written up. But, you know, I always had passion and a lot of that, you know, on the field, off the field has, has been directed in the wrong way and it's ended up, uh, you pay the consequence for that. I think that uh, uh, ill-discipline sometimes did cost me. It cost me maybe a possible uh, Lions tour in 93. But you look back and you're, you're so grateful for what rugby has done. And, and like the bands, I think I had a 16-week band, a 10-week band. Um, so I think that's the reason why I played till I was uh, 36, 37. I never injured, thankfully, but it was, there was plenty of rests along the way. But some people, coaches, say, oh, passion can only take you a certain part of the way, but I think it's the underrated in fact, in all you do, you have to be passionate about it, or it's pretty pointless, whatever sport you do, and you're doing, you'll end up doing it for the wrong reason, and I think there'll be an emptiness about it if you do things passionless. But as I said, I sometimes um, did have a lot of misdirected passion and, uh, you know, you pay the consequence for that. And that's, you know, that's whether you're a, you're a Christian, whether, you know, whatever, you know, there's no, you, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And you've got to, you've got to, you know, laws are there to, to abide by. And uh, <laughs> in many ways, I didn't do that. Interesting to hear you like that, because I heard you say later at the end of your career, that if you had been able to somehow manage that passion, you would have been a better player. That you've got as a quarter without you doubt, without so, doubt, Graham. Tell me about this balancing act: being hard in the right way, and not being forced to be the man you don't want to be in the wrong places. How have you worked that out over the over the lifetime from teenager well, to end a career? How do you, well, uh, what happened I, to change? I, you know, I was into sport. Uh, grew up summertime tennis, playing over a scabby net with all broken glass on the, on the, on the tennis court. Boxing, 
football, done all all the sports, and as I said, blessed with an incredible amount of energy and and passion. Love sport, still love sport, but you know, lost my way uh, through my own wanting to be something maybe too much. I was quite wild. I ended up in a in a children's home for a period when I was young. I really put my parents through some. So, so, so tough couple of years and you know a lot of people who've known me throughout my rugby career would say well ooh, you know Edda they may say but people don't know the man when you put your head on the pillow and I have always prayed you know for the best part of my life generally when you're in desperation and I've done that from a young age and I can always remember praying as a young desperate teenager at the age of like 13 and transformation didn't happen immediately. You know, I didn't start walking around with a with a vicar's collar on or, you know, walking with a holy strut. But I actually have always recognised God. You've always, always recognised God. You're praying as a teenage boy in adversity. And as you say, that transformation came over time. But So, so let me project you some years forward from being a teenager. You're at the peak of your rugby career. You're captain of Swansea. It's the biggest club match in Wales. You're playing Cardiff at the Cardiff Arms Park. Huge rivalry. Pumped up, passionate. And as you're running down the pitch, I remember this story very well. It was in the public arena at the time. You're running down the pitch and you look into the crowd and your father's having a heart attack. For Would you mind telling us about it? Like I remember that day, you know, I was a sort of praying before I prayed before every game, whether the outside world knew or didn't. And I can remember going to the game that day. My wife stayed at home. It was Christmas. We were going to go out in the evening because um, we had two young children. So I took my mum and dad to to the game. And uh, I can always remember reading the word for the day before going. I can always remember I read it in my daughter's bedroom. I did reading and feeling really, really so at peace going to the game. Obviously, feeling so good about life and then bang. And that's what happens sometimes, you know. I think, you know, even, you know, as I said early on, because of universal law, nice people get hurt, whether you're a Christian or or whether you're not. That's the great thing about faith, that we don't make things up. It's there. You jumped into the crowd, didn't you? I think it was a line out. I think it was a play that taken up field. I think the the Polish flanker, Katzala, had um, punched me in the face, uh, probably deserved it. Um, and I can always remember my mum crying. I could see my mum peering over the side of the arms park then. I thought, oh, what's gone on? Because, you know, obviously I wasn't, didn't have a very warm reception at the Cardiff Arms Park, being a, a Swansea rugby captain, and uh, as you did in most grounds in them days, you know, with the great tribalism that was in Welsh rugby, and it was it was great, you know, to be booed. But, um, you know, I, we didn't realise the severity of my friend Gwyn Jones, uh, who was captain of Wales at the time. But, you know, looking back in reflection, I remember running to that touchdown, see my mother crying, and then sort of, wow, that's my mother by there, and then... It, peering over and see my dad sort of you know the great medical staff there in in the crowd um helping uh you know to resuscitate my dad who had a heart attack watching the game so you know your natural reaction you know is to jump over and uh see what was going on and uh concern for my father really who, who passed away then a couple of months later who sort of never recovered his sight or 
you know part of his his brain really um you know so that was a that was a tough time that was a that was a total sort of experience of you know having having that frenzy of being in a in a Cardiff Swansea battle uh, captain in Swansea and obviously lot to play for you know we talked in the early conversation rivalry against you know your adversary uh, you know who was then the Welsh captain uh, so you're up against it you want to do your best there's a lot of passion there's a lot of anger there's everything that goes with sport and then all of a sudden being brought to you sort of knees seeing your father sort of stripped to the half being resuscitated on so it was very difficult for him to go from a sort of sporting frenzied sort of emotion to that i gotta ask you one more while you're on a roll tell me the moment of the greatest electricity in all your welsh career when you just went i'm playing for wales yeah the moment when you went oh my word right so many different ones really go with your gut one go with your gut one Go with your gut one. You know, there's so many. The first game at the at the Millennium, the law, there was only 30-odd thousand there. It was, you got to pinch yourself that day. We were in the first Welsh team to beat the Springboks at the first game at the Millennium Stadium. And there was Wembley because I loved football as a young boy. And to walk out at Wembley in 99, this great football stadium that you, your father had told you stories about. And I was born in 1966 when England won the World Cup. And my mother always tells me that your father jumped when uh, Jeff Hurst scored and was cheering. And I must have kicked in my mother's belly. And she said, um, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a footballer. And, and my father said, yeah, well, you know, just thinking of those memories, you know, and quite emotional when you're there at the time, sitting in the Wembley changing rooms, thinking, wow, you know, the lights of the great Bobby Moore, the great players that have changed in this changing room, and you think, oof, this is special. And and it's then in sport, we talk about passion and emotion, where you have to think, hang about you, you know, I've got to get real, you I'm I'm you representing my country there's no time for to start bawling or blabbing and to walk out i always you know loved fa cup day as a youngster and and when we won that game against england that was a great day in 99 not because it was wales england but because it held a lot of memories for me as a young boy watching fa cup finals always feeling the heart for the losing team going up to collect the runners-up medal. Thankfully that day, we didn't have an FA Cup, but we we won the game. And I did that little walk-up, you know, and it was great. So the boyhood feelings never go away, and I think that's important for any sportsman listening today. Always keep that passion, that enjoyment. Don't think the next big competition or the next big thing will really put you enjoy every game, enjoy everything that you do, and put 100% into it. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong, but when you get it right, there's a lovely feeling. Karin Jenkins, you know what? I really enjoyed that. And not just because he's Welsh, I'll tell you why I really enjoyed him. How fascinating. In that period in the early 90s when rugby was going from amateur to professional, there was that transition going on. 
fancy having to take it easy on a Friday when you're working for the local council because you've got a first-class rugby match on Saturday and hearing on the radio or by rumour that you've been picked for your country. Class. Just class. People have had to play the highest level of sport in that way. And if you're a full-time pro now, just remember that. Just remember what that must have cost people and the commitment required. And be thankful for what you've got going for you now, I'm telling you. Secondly, any high-level athlete gets this. The balance between the pressure on you because of the passion to win and yet to find the appropriate level of aggression in the midst of the battle. And really now, it's not going to get more intense a balancing act than being a front row forward in international rugby. Oh my goodness, wasn't it fascinating listening to his balancing act between appropriate aggression and passion for excellence and victory. I mean, what a lesson as we listen to this man wrestle with this as a Christian. And I think the final thing that really came through for me was his faithfulness. Always aware of God, like so many of us, don't you think? Whether you believe Christ or not, just this awareness that God is real, but an awareness that for him becomes consolidated in adversity, in a children's home, for being a bad lad at 13, prayer of despair, through to a mature adult belief in Jesus Christ when he captained Swansea in that terrible incident at the Cardiff Arms Park, having spent his time that morning talking to God, reading the Bible. Real faithfulness, isn't it? Through a whole sports career at the highest level, as he walks that balance of being a top-level player and a follower of Jesus Christ. Oh, he's different, isn't he? I mean, he's different. So far in the series, we've had very different individuals, but they have one common thing. Now, it's not their sport. It's not their background. It's not where they grew up. It is that they are Christians in sport. I love it. Oh, by the way, if you've got this far, I've got a bonus for you. If you're a real rugby fan, you need to know that I interviewed Garin two games into the Six Nations before Wales had played France. And now it's interesting because I say to him, how will Wales do against France? And how are England going to do in the Six Nations? Because they're the top two teams. can't finish. I don't, I don't want to corner you here now because, as I said at the start, two games into the Six Nations, people are going to hear this when it's over. See? So Wales play Friday night now. Uh, this comes out on, after Friday and the rest is to come. So people are listening to this all the time. Um, how's it going? How's it shaping? Now you've got to be a politician. How is it going to end up? What do we think? And and look, people aren't well sure listening to this, right? So there's, there's all sorts well, of nations. Eh, proud to be British, privileged to be Welsh. Fair play, uh, good banter. Um, no, it's... 
you know, we're going into the France game, as you said, Friday night. I think loads hinge on this Friday night game. My my experience of uh, playing against France, great. They're crazy to play against, but great off the field, mad. And in the days where, sort of, the old days where Tetsch Jeds only got involved if uh, the camera was on them. And uh, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, the French uh, are great to play against. And I... I, I love playing against France. Probably one of the my favourite teams to play against in France and at home. Evening games, France seem to come awake in the night. We we as Welsh people, we said. I remember my first couple of games playing in the evening in Toulouse. I think it was a nine o'clock kickoff. I think by second half we were all sleeping, and uh, well, the scoreline dictated. I think we lost about forty odd points, but to Toulouse. But I I think that. Um, France haven't been very good. I think we've we've been far better than France so far. So I I would hope that we edge them Friday night. And I think, as we said early on in the conversation, the Six Nations is all about uh, momentum. You win the first game. We drew the first game against Ireland. We, we, we won against Scotland, which could have been a little bit of a, a, a banana skin. If we beat France, which I think we'll just edge through Friday night, then... You know, it's a, it's a massive one against England, and England will have a lot of hurt because they're a good team and they are capable of pulling a big performance. I've been to Twickenham HQ, um, a very daunting place to play, not for these young boys because they 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 they've experienced a lot of wins there, but England when they get their backs up, it's a passionate place Twickenham, and um, it, it it'll be a tough game. So it's it's whether England. There'll be a lot of expectancy. There'll be a lot of hurt, maybe. You know, in, in sport, it does happen. There'll be a lot of memories of, of the exit from the World Cup. I exited the World Cup early uh, back in 91. And whew, sometimes, you know, like we talk about the hurts of sport and life, then whether they're over that, I, ooh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's exciting. I don't want to be a politician, but <laughs> I got a back wheels, haven't I? I've got you a back got, wheels. And I'm afraid I have to as well. Yeah. So I'm, I know it's a bit biased, this one. But it'll be great. It's like I said, it's a great occasion. Uh, all Six Nations games. Um, as I said, the French games, the Irish games, the Scottish games, and the Wales-England game at Twickenham will be... Uh, but England, are the, they, they can win the, the Triple Crown and the Grand Slam... Uh, so there'll be a lot hinging on it that day. Come on, Wales. <laughs> Great. What a fella. What a boy. Garen Jenkins. Loved him. Right, time to go. So let me give you a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, if you want to find this podcast, all you do is go to Christians in Sport on iTunes or SoundCloud or via our website, christiansinsport.org.uk forward slash podcast. We really appreciate your feedback and thoughts on this podcast. It's been very, very helpful. Here's how you can keep doing that this month. Tweet us at CIS underscore UK. You'll find the same name on Facebook. Get to us there. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Very helpful. Oh, one more thing. If you can go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast, it really helps us get people listening. Go on, do it. Right. See you next month.
can't wait. Looking forward to it. All the best. Mm-hmm.